Welcome to The Coat Hanger on 2SER 107.3. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we broadcast this show, the Gadigal of the Eora Nation, and pay our respects to Elders past and present. The Coat Hanger is a show and podcast where we tackle women's footy with a Sydney view. I am your host, Fiona Lamb, and I'm joined by... Nat Morgan. Coach Kiwi and the three of us are on the Boonarong Boonwurrung and the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung peoples of the Eastern Kulin Nations land. Beautiful. <laughs> Emma Phillips here coming to you today from Ngunnawal country. And Tracy Kick coming from Darawal country of the Wadiwadi people. In this week's show, we are going to discuss the qualifying finals, which were on Saturday. And we'll do a preview of the semi-finals, which are next week. So let's get going and discuss that D's versus Frio game. Um, <clears throat> first of all, it was oppressively hot. I wasn't there, but I was watching on TV out at Casey Fields. I was really glad I hadn't made the trek out there because it looked pretty hot. <laughs> it was also um, one of those classic Casey Fields blowing winds the flags were absolutely booming as well yeah it was pretty impressive and that the wind was the key to the match who played the wind the best and that was melbourne from the first quarter they didn't have the breeze did they in the first quarter but yeah. they they played into it and they played against it perfectly so uh, that was the key to their, their success i think yeah, interesting that one, that because Frio coach Trent Cooper admitted afterwards that he thought they'd made a tactical error in kicking with the wind in the first quarter. Oh, don't you always kick with the wind? I heard him no, say yes. that. Is, this is, this is a question I've got. You never know. I'll, yeah, but that's how a lot of people kick with the wind. And this is my question to your captains, and I have said it to my captain. You kick with the wind when you're fresh. The fourth quarter, you're buggered, your team against you. Is kicking with the wind. So would you always choose to kick against it, Kiwi? Yeah, I would. We always yeah, did in interesting. soccer too. Wouldn't no, you just so try and get goals? Wherever yeah, you yeah, are? Scoreboard <laughs> pressure. Scoreboard <laughs> pressure. Yeah. Scoreboard pressure, Trace. Kick Scoreboard with the wind pressure, first up. Absolutely. And the other thing is that, I, I mean, I used to be quite obsessed over the weather um, when I was coaching. So uh, like Blacktown, for example, was a classic if you played around midday because the wind would swing the other way. So you would kick with it both ways. So um, word to coaches out there, don't just check the wind at the time you're playing, check it, um, the prediction, like when they go and it's to northeasterly and it's going to turn to southwesterly later or whatever. That's my hot tip. <laughs> it was. I <laughs> <but>, uh, <laughs> love that. What other hot tips have you got for us, Trace? <laughs> kick with the wind in the first quarter, scoreboard yeah. pressure. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. But what a month for Melbourne. They had to beat the three top teams to even make the finals and they did that and then they went and beat uh, the Dockers again. They have just been, it's not just belief in themselves, they've actually got the skill and the ability to go with it as well, haven't they? And without D Daisy Pierce. Unbelievable. Yeah. It was, a, it was top efforts. What were your highlights, Trace? Yeah, look, I think um, having a look at it, I thought that the Ds would have trouble shutting down the, the Frio forward line, whichever way. And no, look, they were just running in numbers. Paxman was great as usual. Yeah, look, I think for, for me, there was no particular highlight, but I just think that Melbourne just were really all round great on the day. I'll throw to someone else for their highlights. 
Well, I just I just kept waiting for Frio to actually, you know, turn on the engine and click into first. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they left it too late. Again, Trent Cooper said that his four-year-old said to her, said to him, Why did you make why did you make the girls lose? <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's tough, isn't it? Yeah. Coming into the three took quarter time break really the dockers had their you know their little tails up they kicked three goals in that quarter they would have been even though they were going to be you know kicking into the breeze again but they had the momentum actually heading into the last quarter I felt and the <coughs> first couple of runs Houghton got the ball a couple of times the first time she was on on the burst having a run and a bounce but McGee dragged it down and put the pressure on that kick and there was a turnover and not much longer after that the ball got drilled back into their forward line and McGee once again intercepted and cleared it out and that sort of just broke their spirit the five minutes of their effort into the breeze and then after that Melbourne just peppered away at their goals didn't they? I think they kicked seven goals uh, sorry seven behinds and then finally got on the board with uh, Maddie Gay's kick so um, yeah they it took a while for them to turn over but they really did have all the possession in that last quarter. Mm. Maddie Gay was great. She's yeah, had a she, fantastic year, hasn't she? She's um, now kicked two goals for the season and they've both been the match winners against Fremantle. Yes, yeah, that's, that's, that's a go-to girl on the day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they were pretty happy and I don't know how poor old Daisy did it on the sideline. She was riding every kick at every bump and bruise, wasn't she? <laughs> yeah, yep. She's no, there's no poker face. They were... Um, the, the the ruck contests were pretty even, but it was the clearances that really made the difference. And I think that experience that Melbourne have just dominated through the young um, Frio girls. But um, Shelly Scott, I thought, was awesome. She's had a pretty solid season as a big forward. And one little highlight I'm going to mention her is Brenna Tarrant, who wasn't um, wanted by the Giants. So put a hand into the Victorian draft, got picked up last year, played a few games. Um, she's come through the Giants Academy through the 17s, 19s, 17s. 18s program and um, traditionally a probably more of a defender did play for their VFLW team a few weeks ago kicked five goals and they threw her forward probably to fill the gap left by Daisy and she kicked a ripping goal so yeah. um, shout out to Brenna and anyone at East Coast who may be listening <laughs> well done and what do you make of the game? Yeah, just, just thinking about Frio, actually, and how they've sort of had a quite sad finish to the season, really. I mean, they started so well, and I, I had big reps on them. Between them and Adelaide, I thought two grand finalists, that was much earlier in the season. But, um, you know, I think perhaps with, for Frio, they relied a little bit too heavily on their stars throughout. And, like, they've got some pretty major stars, you know, and Bowers and Houghton and, uh, you know, Sabrina Duffy up forward, just to mention a few. Um, always going to play well for them, but just too few. And I think most, as mentioned, Melbourne's experience and also Melbourne's lesser lights, I think are probably a little more, you know, functional and effective than Frio's lesser light. So, you know, we mentioned Maddie Gay, obviously I mentioned, she's, look, she's not a lesser light, but she's not up there with the big names like Paxman and Pierce. Um, and also Lily Mithin. I think these, these sorts of players are absolutely A-grade class players um, who don't get the sort of the, the limelight that some of the others do, but gee, they're really driving Melbourne's engine room and especially in Daisy, Daisy Pierce's absence. So yeah, they look very, very good, Melbourne. The, um, uh, Bowers for Frio was the only player in the Docker side to get into double digits and she got 20 possessions and had a usual great game, made the big effort. Um, whereas Melbourne had nine players up in the double digits now. So that's across the board working hard. But my question is what happened to Libby Birch? I went through the stats and she only had two touches. Do you know who she was playing on or whether she spent time on the bench or something? Birch had Houghton for a while, I think, didn't she? 
Yeah, I think she so did. She maybe was... she spent more time keeping her quiet. Than... Yeah, look, it might have been just one of those absolute lockdown roles where like a glove sort of thing. Don't worry about getting your own possessions. Yeah, yeah. It may also be um, the way that she plays with those intercept marks and things. Freo weren't sending much in, so probably less chance for her to grab those. <laughs> I think she had yeah. a couple of spoils and a couple of tackles. Okay. Um, but... yeah. Fair enough then. Yeah. The other thing about this Melbourne win is that Melbourne have now won every match at Casey. I think I'm right in saying that. Yeah. And it really does beg the question as to how opposition sides are going to handle Melbourne at Casey. You know, that's a, a significant uh, factor, I think, going forward for all AFLW teams is how they deal with whether it's the breeze down there or, you know, whether it's the journey getting off a plane and having to get on a bus for an hour or whatever is going on. How is it other AFL sides can contend with Melbourne down there? Because they are dominating. Yeah, and I heard, um, did you see um, an interview with Eden Zanker on the weekend? Um, and they actually chatted a bit to her about it. She said that um, they don't sort of think of it as their, you know, their fortress or anything, but they train there, they do their pre-season there, they know the wins, they know the, they know what they have to do there. It's a, a funny dimensions too, isn't it? It's not a classic sort of size field from what I've heard, um, but they love the fact that their supporters are always there for them as well and they feel like they owe people who've made the effort to get down there to... Give them the wind, basically. So um, they, I thought they you said give them the wind then. Uh, <laughs> maybe <laughs> <Either> I did. <laughs> so, yeah, so it sounds like they they don't – everyone whinges about driving for an hour or maybe just non-Melbourne supporters perhaps whinge. And so they've got a different <laughs> attitude to the ground, I think. So good on them. And no one else seems to have the fortress. You would think going to uh, Frio or to Adelaide would have a bigger sort of uh, an effect. But, yeah, Casey seems to do it for them. So – yeah. Will they will, will they will they show up though when they are off Casey in the next round? That yep, who, that'll be who the not, question. It will, it will yeah. indeed. It so will. um, uh, at every match I've watched where Freo have been playing at about three quarter time or in the third quarter, I he- have heard myself saying, "Here they come," but they didn't come. <laughs> they left it too late, and that was the end of that. That's the end of their season. Um. What do you think? Do you think they'll have felt like uh, they've wasted their opportunity or rue what the season ended up like? They Freo were just the number one side for so long. At you know, right through to probably round six, even round seven, it was they were the ones, weren't they? And yeah. they lost three of the last four matches. I think it was. I think early on though, they got those wins against teams that didn't make the top six. Mm. So, you know, I think they believed their own uh, media that they should have won the premiership last year and perhaps weren't as good as they fancied themselves. Yeah, well, who knows? And, they, you know, you're right, Kiwi. They, they got to play West Coast twice. They played the bottom. They were, you know, they played a lot of games at home. So to Nat's point around the home. So also, also Demons beat them at home the first round, the first time. Oh, yeah, they did. Demons yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, there you go. So let's get on to Collingwood versus North and let's start with, with uh, let's just get this out of the way. Yes. Is um, it too early to have a whiskey? <laughs> Tani Brown did kick behind for North and I couldn't believe my eyes. It was it was like a horror movie in front of me. Just, what are you doing? Oh, my God. I'm... And then I was thinking, have I got this wrong? And no, I wasn't wrong. She actually kicked. Uh, at least it was a behind. She was, she was sort of... Uh, dirty on herself for, for not getting the goal and realise what she'd done would have been but, a behind anyway, wouldn't it? Well, I think... Yeah, it's rookie error, isn't it? But I'll oh, tell you, I'm yeah. surprised who didn't actually do that. 
Ash Brazzle. She didn't know where she was, in which direction she's kicking in. <laughs> she's forward this week, back next week. I've never known her to play at forwards and I don't know why she did because she came into her own again when she got back to her old stomping ground late in the game. She's a defender. And made where she belongs. I reckon it was part of the key to the turnaround because I thought North were going to run away with it. Yeah. Yes, yes. indeed. They were Me in too. it the whole time. It was um it was a great match. It was they were so well matched. Um and uh yeah, when North got ahead, it, it just seemed like that was the game. But a fourth quarter second wind or fourth wind, whatever you want to call it, was very exciting to watch. Oh my god. Well couldn't sit that, down. That was the absolute key. It was a bit like the other game. North Melbourne were on a roll. They kicked four goals in that third quarter and they should have been continuing on with it. And yeah. so I really watched that last quarter. I actually went back a couple of times. I went through the last quarter watching that to see what happened. And and it should have been theirs because they were up by 14 points at three-quarter time. Just out of the very first centre bounce of the last quarter, um, there was a 50-metre penalty that really – Riddell got a 50-metre penalty and she – as an umpire's marching it down to what would have been into the 50 and could have, what, perfect pass to someone, shoot a goal up by 21 points. Instead, she, I don't know where she panicked, but she rushed. She handballed very quickly to uh, Emma Carney, who passed it on to, I think, uh, someone else, Ruth Bruton, who just had a rush kick into the forward line. Brazzle turned it over. We fought it out of there twice. It didn't go back up to your forward 50 until seven minutes to go in that quarter, and Brazzle returned again. So once they got into the 50 for the whole last quarter. The rest of the game was played up at Collingwood's end. Um, if Seriously, if you'd played that role properly and got that goal, I think North Melbourne would have been up on 21 and running away with it, whereas we just peppered away, kept the ball. If you don't get in your 50, you're not kicking goals, Em, are you? No, it's very astute, Nat. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me to give you some more? Look, I'm, I'm loving this. I mean, North Melbourne. <laughs> the, the other one, as you talk about that, makes me think about how, you know, footy's a funny game, isn't it? We always talk about the shape of the ball and the way that it bounces is so unpredictable. And there was a moment, I think it was just before Brown kicked that final winning goal, actually, where yeah. the ball lobbed, the, the, the immediate possession before Brown got it, the ball lobbed into four North Melbourne players and one Collingwood player, and it bounced in favour of the Collingwood player, who then hit, had that sort of rank kick over in the forward line yeah. that Brown snapped up and gold from. So it's like, you know, <laughs> there you yeah. go. Well, um, that was um, unbelievable, that moment. Yeah. Like, I, I think, like, when would you ever back a four-on-one, <laughs> you know? And also when I was watching it, it was like the, the North players were looking at each other as if yeah. to go, who's going who's to get it? Who's going to get this? Because, yes, you're absolutely right. The ball did bounce in a very strange direction. But um, – that that really kind of was the game sealer in a way. Mm. Had they been able to repel that, you know, it could be a different story. But I suppose in footy, there's a hundred moments you could find where there's a different story. Yeah, you're yeah, quite right. Malloy's the Malloy snap that bounced through awkwardly and oddly. <laughs> but mm. all the players, no one played the whistle. Um, they're all standing with their hands on the head or looking at the umpire whinging. He called it bandage, and but if they'd run that kicked down Malloy's shot it would have just been touched on a, a point I would gather because he'd call the advantage and play on and she took it um they weren't alert enough it was like they weren't on that was sort of they had sort of real mistakes in terms of either rushing or not rushing or not doing the right thing and not playing their role so I think they'll have a lot to um look at on the videotape especially in that last quarter or two I think because they made a good run at it just not enough 
on the day. Um, that, um, when you're talking about Braz and how she switched to the back line and was probably in a more um, at-home role, um, the, the part of the game where North were really in it was actually when Jamie Lambchop, uh, Lambert, <laughs> we call her Chops, Jamie Lambert was off the field after she'd been concussed. So um, it's sort of... Not concussed. She's not concussed. She'll not be concussed. playing next week. Not concussed. Well, she came she back on, so she must have passed the test. She can't be concussed. She must have just yeah. been feeling she got a head dizzy. Suspected yeah. concussion because she went inside <laughs> for the... Um, HIA. For the, for the concussion Which test. she passed. Yeah, she yeah. did pass. But that time that she spent running inside and then doing, she had to re-warm up. We saw her warming up on the bench again with the football. Um, was really when North came into the game. And we don't talk probably a lot about uh, Chops. We talk about Bonici and Bree Davies and some of the others. But it was kind of a telling tale. And the people around us all noticed it and sort of said the same thing. You know, North were really in this game while Jamie was off the field is kind of an interesting aspect. But... Um, but, yeah, she's a little gun player, so it'd be good if she is back for next week, I think. Uh, any further comments, M? Oh, <clears throat> a few. <laughs> <I'm> just, <laughs> I None mean, of them are allowed to go to air. Yeah, <laughs> indeed, yeah. Look, I think the last time North Melbourne and Collingwood played, uh, Collingwood dominated the outside ball and they also dominated their effectiveness inside 50. Both of those uh, components of the game, North Melbourne really closed down. So there was it was a very even contest. Um, well, Collingwood did a very good job in defence. Again, there's such a great defensive side of pushing North Melbourne wide. So North did have a lot of shots from the boundary line, but actually a number of them were put through. So I think Garner and Riddell slotted some beauties from the boundary line. So it really you know, kept North in the game. But um, it, it was a very interesting situation in the middle too because Emma King was absolutely killing it in the ruck as she has done all year and after a while I don't know if you noticed but um, Norta started to play off King's taps and she didn't even actually contest the ball a couple of times just sat back and became that sort of extra mid real extra running mid to be and she and it was effective for them so you know North I think lost the clearances by eight in the end and that might have been sort of one of those deciding factors we talk about balls bouncing the wrong way but you know that's the sort of thing that really I think swung the game for Collingwood as well but you know again footy's a funny game Collingwood kicked the first four North kicked the next six out of seven goals and the pies at the last three. So I'd love to know what would happen if that game had gone five minutes longer. <laughs> yeah, but it didn't. It didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Nat Morgan. That's all right. The, um, um, that last it's such minute, a pleasure. <laughs> I, can, I can share a little bit of insight from the Collingwood bench for about the last minute and a half. They had no idea what the clock was doing. They um, All their recording devices had stopped um, recording the time. Stopped on the TV as well. Yeah. So, yeah, so they actually um, just had no idea if it was a minute to play, 30 seconds, 20 seconds. So um, they were all rather more nervous probably than the grandstand, I think. Yeah, <laughs> oh, uh, and Steve's daughter was. Oh, Steve, was... <laughs> Steve's daughter was before us. She had to go for a walk. She was so <laughs> too nervous. Stressful. Too yeah. And then I turned around to say, see, when Tani kicked that goal, she wasn't even there. She'd gone. <laughs> M. Just to the last one, one positive thing is we should mention that Caitlin Ashmore for North Melbourne played her 40th game on the weekend, which was the first, wow. first player to reach that milestone. So, you know, that's a pretty big deal in AFLW. I just sort of calculated that um, that's the, you know, we celebrate an AFLM 50 game markers, which if in our game playing eight, about eight games a season would be about 16 or 17 games. Games, if that makes sense so to get to 40 is a big deal so congratulations to Cashy, as they call her 
And yeah. I just want to say, like, Collingwood's Bree Davy was spectacular again yesterday. She's such a leader, isn't she? But the other two players who every week I reckon I write their name down and then never give them a shout-out, but Ebony O'Day and Sophie Alexander, they're rock-solid old-school <laughs> football players, and I love them both dearly, and they'd be first picked in my team every week, I reckon. They well, do Natty, their job. Natty, uh, GWS could have kept Ebony O'Day, but uh, yeah. Yeah, she might have preferred Every to. time I Maybe see her performing well, Sydney. I remind myself yeah. of that. She's doing so well in Collingwood. Um, but sometimes the- players really grow when they go to, an, uh, you know, it depends on the environment for them, doesn't it? So, you know, if this is a good environment for her, all power to her. It's great to see her performing. Yeah, and um, how great is it to see players performing well, wherever they are? Um, Ebony O'Day came out of, um, I'm pretty sure, Norwood down in South Australia. So Steve has actually coached her for a few seasons. So he had that advantage that he knew what role, you know, she could play down there, what he could get out of her. And so coming to Collingwood, he knew where, she, where he could get her to fit into his plan. So I think that's why she's excelled as well. Um, the other funny thing, this will make you laugh, is... Um, we'll be the so- judge of that. Okay, <laughs> here it comes. Sophie Alexander, how you said she's an old school footballer. Her nickname is Spesh. Spesh is in like the special <laughs> Easter play against you. Exactly. Yep. And so ah. often when I see her lining up for goal, I just think Spesh from our old days. But shout out brief... to Spesh. Special K. Special K. Sophie Alexander, <laughs> probably a better set shot than our Spesh was. But yeah. <laughs> um, we do want to uh, preview the semifinals, but I want to acknowledge um, that Emma Carney knelt uh, for the anthem, as did I, actually. That was very uncomfortable on the, on the concrete. But she took a knee, um, and uh, I just want to acknowledge that statement. Standing right next to Caitlin Ashmore when she did it too. Yeah. Really um, poignant moment in time. Interesting that she was the only one, I guess, is the point you're, you're making. Yeah. 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 But I just want to give her a shout-out. Uh, now let's talk about the semifinals. So we have... Uh, at Norwood Oval, is that correct? Yep. Adelaide Oval. Adelaide versus Adelaide, Adelaide versus <laughs> Melbourne. Melbourne. Adelaide right. versus Melbourne. And I Let's think it's Adelaide that. Oval, isn't it? Yeah. Can Melbourne <laughs> knock off the Crows? This is the question. I am hoping they will. I'm nervous about it. I say I, no. I'm going to say no. Yeah, I say as no. As much as Melbourne have a brilliant four weeks, their time is coming to an end. But you have been wrong before, Nat. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> Nearly four weeks in a row. <laughs> you think Never. I would be backing them by now, wouldn't you? Yeah. Get fact, on isn't the, there a, get on is the there a corrections wagon. corner today? Aren't we supposed to have a corrections corner? <laughs> we were talking what about am I apologising for this week? <laughs> My language last week, perhaps? Oh, it could be that. Uh, yeah, no, I just think that Adelaide will be too solid across the ground and just the occasion. Um, I think Daisy's leadership would be something that would be really valuable at this point in a, in a final, just that, you know, solid head. Um, I don't think she'll be there. So, um, but it's not all about Daisy. I just think that Adelaide are too slick and outfit and at home too strong. I don't know. They've had a week off and sometimes that week off loses momentum. No, I'm not stressed. in finals so much though. It seems yeah. to be that that actually does count for a major advantage, doesn't it? This time of year, having a getting a rest it's into the bodies. Bodies, yeah. Yep. yeah, yeah, they'll come out firing. I think they've got a lot of self belief, Adelaide. Okay, well then let's move on to Brisbane versus um, Collingwood, and that will we, be. I think will be at the Gabba. 
at the Gabba. Still to be yeah. confirmed, I think. But, yes, that's great because it's only the second AFLW game ever at the Gabba. And thoughts? Go well, I know Trace. what Tracy thinks. <laughs> uh, look, I'll be backing the Lions, of course. I think it would be a fantastic contest. Um Look, I reckon the pies are probably on paper, probably slightly better if you if you break it down to individual pies. But I think the Lions have got something going on. So I uh, hope they bring whatever that is that they've got going on as a young playing group and fair bit of belief and being at the Gabba, I think, will make a difference. Nat? Well, I hate Brisbane. I love Collingwood. So Collingwood <laughs> are going to win. <laughs> Straight to the point. <laughs> I can't have it any other way. I can't think any differently. We've got this far, so why stop now, I say? Good. M. <laughs> I don't think I've got anything more insightful than what Nat Morgan just offered. <laughs> I look, I, only that, you know, hang on, doesn't everybody else hate Collingwood? So <laughs> stacked yep. in Brisbane's favour. Um, Brisbane's ball use, watching them against the Giants a few weeks ago in Canberra, I think Brisbane's ball use, especially through the middle and their explosive pace off, off half back, um, is just uh, the probably the best I've said in the comp. Um, I think Brisbane will win this and comfortably at home. Ooh. Kiwi? Well, um, yeah, I'm going to back the pies into this. I think what they've shown in the last couple of weeks is they, they're flexible in their structure. So they can go in with a game plan and, you know, for example, when they come against a much more dominant ruck, they're able to adjust and still then win the, win the clearances. So, um, you know, and I think they've proven with flicking players forward and back. Tani Brown is normally a midfielder and they played her forward. She kicked a goal. Um, Ash Braz forward kicked or back. behind for the other team too. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so, they've got, you know, they can run the ball out wide and around. They've got the species with Lynn and Rowie um, if Newey gets back in. And then they can, you know, take it up the guts or they can use someone like Maddie Shevlin who's got the longer, um, more penetrating kick. So I think they've got the flexibility to carry in. I think Steve Simons is um, pretty good in the way that he can change things, um, you know, as the game progresses and um, match what the oppo brings. So, um, you know, because I think North took it to them. I think North are going well and they were able to adjust and then somehow get back on top. So yeah. um, I'm going to, I'm going to, because I think Brisbane are absolutely solid. So um, two, I think. Two comments, Kiwi. I reckon Stasevic is the superior coach, I'm going to say. And then secondly. Um, he came from Pat Collingwood originally too, didn't he? The men. <laughs> yeah, yes, number, number 26 for Collingwood he was. I no, it wasn't oh, that Gavin, it was Gavin Brown. That's Gavin Brown. That's, Gavin Brown. Oh. that's, that's Tani's number. Oh, Hey, can I, I just say Tony anyway. kicked better than her brother in the weekend too, apparently. Mm. He had a real sitter and miss. So even if she kicks for North, it was one point more than her brother got, I think. I just, I just want to <laughs> shout out, it'll be interesting to see Kathy Sparks' tagging role because she's sensational. And having coached at a club where no taggers were ever used in a season, it's a... Um, <laughs> It's an interesting tactic and it's been a very successful one for who, Brizzy Lions. Yeah. Who will she go on? Davey. Davey. Davey, surely. Lambert. Yeah, that's Davey or Lambert. Yeah. I, no, 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 no. It'll be Lambert <laughs> it's or too Davey. Many. I think <laughs> it'll be <laughs> Lambert, actually. I think it'll be Lambert. Yeah. So then right. be... just with the tip. Yeah, well, I just want to wait one more, make one more comment that uh, Trace is going to have to leave us. Happy trails, Trace. She's off to Western Australia. Um, Ciao, Bellas. <laughs> <see ya. laughs> um, that this Collingwood team is made up of a, a significant proportion of the VFLW team who won the Premiership 
in 20, 2019, was yep, it? Yeah. yeah. So they know, they know how to win. <laughs> you know how, um, you know, there's this whole collie wobbles theory and uh, I, I just want to make the point, they they know how to win. They have experience winning. It's going to be a great contest and I'm, I'm backing Collingwood. <laughs> now, Nat, tipping well, comp. We've got yeah, a bit of, a, bit quickly, of an anomaly, but we've got the a solution. The never updated. There's no fresh feeds or anything like that. I did get a final email on the Monday, the 29th, I think it came through saying from the AFLW comping, tipping comp, that it will give you a listing of where you came, a ranking in the coat hanger tipping comp. I came fourth, fourth out of the 80 oh. or whatever. So if you go back to your emails, tell us where you came. If you came one, two or three, send us a screenshot of that and your postal address and we'll send you all a present. In fact, just, if you think you deserve something, just email <laughs> us. <laughs> Good work indeed. Speaking of winners, <laughs> I oh, just yeah. wanted to make mention of uh, Kiara Bowers actually winning the AFL Coaches Award during the week. So she won um, just, I think, squeezed in ahead of uh, Elise Parker, in fact, from the Giants. Hmm. Yeah. I think it was great. close. I think it was only by three or four points. Yeah, she just squeezed in there. Congratulations but. to her. Woo-hoo. Okay, this is the Coat Hanger Football Radio Show. Catch us every Monday, 7pm on 2CR 107.3 and our pod with extra content in the fifth quarter wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on the socials and for the best harbour views in women's footy, tune, tune in to, to the, the Coat Hanger. Hanger.